Hello, welcome to SD Europe's podcast. My name is Luke Cox. I lead SD Europe's communications. So for this episode, we speak to Niall Cooper, who is a key player in the Fair Game UK movement, which is a group of like-minded football clubs in the EFL and some in non-league football, um, the semi-professional and amateur game uh, in England, who are working to try and reform the game from within. Uh, Niall offers a really fascinating insight into this growing movement of clubs. And if you would like to find out more about Fair Game UK, um, you can visit their website, uh, which is fairgameuk.org. And they're also on Twitter too. Uh, If you just search Fair Game UK, you'll find them. Um, But that's enough from me. Let's get into it. So today we are speaking to Niall Cooper, a key individual in Fair Game and also the Dons Trust. So to begin, uh, thank you, Niall, for joining us. Can you briefly introduce yourself and what Fair Game is all about? Yes, I'm, I'm Niall Cooper. I'm the director of Fair Game and I'm also a board member on the Dons Trust, who are the owners of AFC Wimbledon. Uh, Fair Game is a brand new initiative that uh, is looking to change football for the good. We've had for a long time, we've seen people try and change the governance of football, but this is the first time that football clubs are coming together to try and change football from within. Um, And where I think the other difference that we have is that we don't want to see at the end of this some sort of report sitting on a dusty shelf. We actually want to see real fundamental change to football, which is why we're working with some of the best academics, best minds in the UK who really know this stuff, who know about governance, who know about sustainability, know about how we can rectify the economic disasters that we've seen in football over the years. And ultimately draft the legislation that will deliver change or the rules that need to be put into the EFL rule books and the Premier League rule books and the National League rule books to make this actually happen think that's the big difference. We're after long-lasting, sustainable change within the game. Time has really come for this because at the moment, it just feels that we've just been going round and round in circles. We've been talking about this for decades. And you've seen by the European Super League, you've seen by the what's happened with the pandemic, you've seen by the collapse of Bury and Macclesfield, that it's just not, we can't let this continue and we need to change. And that, that's why we're seeing clubs kind of flocking towards us at their game, the kind of like-minded clubs who really want to make a difference. And that's what we're about. Mm-hmm. So I think you might have slightly alluded to it there. So what was the sort of genesis of this? What really kicked this off where, you know, you sort of grouped together with these like-minded clubs and said, you know, we need to, we need to put something together and work for some change here. I could, it's, it's a, uh... A little bit not quite as simple as that really I mean for me you know I got I used to be massively involved in AFC Wimbledon when we first formed and the kind of drifted away from the very centre heart of the kind of work of the club and then there were a couple of issues that happened back in November 20, 2019 that kind of got me re- reinterested in really campaigning and getting involved so I stood for the Don's Trust Board I had been a board member back in 2004 five um and Part of my manifesto was to start looking about what else can we do beyond just our local community. So when I got elected, they gave me this brief. They called it the ambassadorial brief, which is brilliant, massively grandiose. Um, 
And I went and talked to a load of people and said, well, what else could AFC Wimbledon do in the wider world of football? And it was about 30 people. And every single one of them said, deal with the governance of football in the UK. So that's where the genesis came from. One of the people I spoke to was the Football Supporters Association and a great guy called Ashley Brown. And we sat down and we looked at it and go, well, what's missing? And that's the bit where we really identified it's the football clubs. That's never happened before. So that's kind of created the kind of first idea of fair game. We had various different names before that. Um, and that really kind of kicked off in January, February this year. So it's moved phenomenally fast. So that's the kind of outreach that's gone. So we, we developed core principles, um, which no club we've spoken to disagree with any of those. Um, and that's kind of where it's, we've seen this snowball, bringing all these clubs together. So that was the outreach and people are talking to people now. We're, we're beginning to see people really interested in change, really interested in doing something that's meaningful and actually makes our national game something for us to be proud of rather than kind of people look at the governance of football and think, you know, there's a lot wrong here. Uh, and we need to straighten it out. We need to make it that people can feel proud about their club and feel that know that their club's not going to disappear off the map because you've got one owner who just either gets bored, dies, or, you know, sells up. You know, you need to have that sustainability in football and it, it's not there at the moment. There's too many clubs that are at risk uh, and we need to win that. You know, it's funny, actually, because I this sort of, um, not the motto, but sort of the, the line underneath fair game in your logo, it says, uh, in the wider interests of football. And I couldn't help but wonder if that was a sort of little nudge, nudge, wink, wink about the whole thing, you know, oh, it's not in the, uh, going back to the FA panel, wasn't it, of, of two, you know, what they said about uh, about them lot. Shall I, I dare I say their names? <laughs> they're, they're, I'm not going to deny for one moment there is a little bit about that. Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, there, there's a little nod there. I don't know whether all the other football clubs that we've been speaking to have spotted that little nod. But, you know, <laughs> I'm an AFC Wimbledon fan. I'm the director. I was one of the people that helped put all the stuff together. So, for me, yeah. it's something that actually is in the wider interests of football. And, and for those who, who don't know, the kind of the phrase not in the wider interests of football was uh, what was in the FA report that uh, said that creating a club like Wimbledon Town would be not in the wider interests of football if uh, our club, when our club was uh, moved to Milton Keynes. Um, so, yeah, there's a, there's a bit of there. There's a little nod to that to say, right, actually, we're, we're trying to come full circle. Uh, I don't want anybody to suffer what Wimbledon suffered. I don't want anybody to suffer what Burry suffered, what Macclesfield suffered, or even the likes of, you know, Bolton and Wigan and all those other kind of financial catastrophes that have happened in the game. Uh, that really needs to stop. So, yeah. In the wider interest of football, I'll take that. I think it's a perfect, uh, a perfect summary. So, what I wanted to ask next is, why is it so significant that you know, possibly for the first time, you've actually got clubs putting pressure on now for change in the game? You know, of course, you know, supporters, organised supporters have been working for years, and they are making ground. And you know, there are some politicians that that ally and try and help make some change too. But why this time is it so significant? You've got clubs actually working together on this. I think it's the it's the timing. So I think the ESL, the pandemic, have just kind of opened the eyes for football clubs, and you're starting to get them talking to each other and realizing that 
we're, not, we're rivals only for 180 minutes. And away from that 180 minutes, then we've got the same issues. So, yeah, we all want to win matches. But the point is, is that you can't win every game. Uh, you know, there's always going to be losers. So what we need to do is look at how, look beyond the results of a football pitch and go, well, what is significant? What is meaningful about a football club? In, that's the difference. So if we can get to a situation where we are all sustainable and we are all well-run clubs and we're all champions of our communities, then we're going to be existing for another 100, 150 years. And that's the, that's the bit that we've got to aim for. So that, yes, we will all have moments where we have our time in the sun uh, and we can, you know, turn over, I don't know, for us, West Ham a couple of years ago, you know, that sort of things, or we might get our chance of being in a couple of higher divisions. Um, but underlying all of that is the fact that we will always be there and we will always be there for our community and we will care about our community and we'll be part of our community. Uh, and it's that level of sustainability and the fact that, we have to look at ourselves as custodians of a club. Uh, and that's where I think it's coming together. And that's where people are beginning to see the economic sense of sustainability and looking at that model. It only really works properly is if as many clubs take it on board. And this is why looking at actual rule change and looking at legislation comes into it. Because... Yeah, having clubs, and there are clubs in the Championship that spend 270% of their revenue on players' wages, that's just foolhardy. That's just ridiculous. But what it does do is it puts pressure on all the clubs that are trying to be sustainable to fight against the, you know, the, uh, the, the bad economics of football. Mm. You know, you're putting pressure on, you'll have fans going, well, hold on, they're spending all this money. Managers will be saying the same argument. Until you end that actual reality, then we're going to be putting clubs at risk all the time. We need to make that universal about players' salaries and uh, you know the amount of money that clubs spend on things that when they haven't got the money. Until that ends, then you know you are risking so much. Mm, absolutely, I think that's really key what you said there about about uh, custodianship. Um, and I, I sort of my next question I want to ask is about these clubs that have sort of subscribed or signed up or however you want to word it um, to fair game. What is it that they have in common? What do you, what is it about these clubs in particular um, that they've been able to align together on this? You know, um, there's a couple of things that are quite interesting about the clubs. I think they're all keen on sustainability. They all kind of respect what their community is about. Interestingly enough, I think four of the top, four of the top five clubs in the fan index that Kevin Rye has put together on, the, I think it's called the Fan Engagement. He's just renamed it. Yeah. The organisation. Four of the top five are fair game clubs. So you've got people that actually care about their supporter base, that actually want to engage with their supporter base, see their supporter base as a key part of their the longevity of their club. Um, I think that's, those are the kind of clubs that, the clubs that care, you know, the clubs that think of themselves as a cash cow or their, their fans as, you know, customers who just come in and, and feel, you know, they look at them as, you know, 20 pounds rather than, you know, Rebecca Smith, mm -hmm. you know, who happens to be have this job and that sort of 
role in life and whatever and can offer this much as a supporter, as a person who's engaged in the club. They're just looking at that, Rebecca Smith as the person who might be spending 20 quid and with a bit of luck might buy football shirts for her nieces and nephews and her sister and her mother or whatever. You know, it's that difference that you've got uh, of club mentality. Uh, And my hope for Fair Game is that we get more clubs thinking, like Fair Game clubs, thinking about that mentality of that person as being more than just a cash, more than just a customer, but actually an individual who's part of a community who can help secure the longevity of the club and be uh, part of that custodianship. So to try and sort of dig a little deeper here into to what Fair Game is about, what would you say are the sort of the, the key priorities or maybe the key issues that are sort of targeted to be addressed through Fair Game? Independent regulation. You've got clubs that are just accounting for themselves in all different ways. You've got clubs that you've no idea who owns them. Complete lack of transparency. Uh, you've got clubs that look at the uh, FA's equality standards as uh, you know, not even a tick box exercise because there's no, there's no comeback if you don't meet them, meet them. You've got that whole economic area that needs to be solved and independent regulation is probably the only way to do it. And the reason why I say that is because in various bits of the uh, Premier League and the Football League, you have clubs that uh, are, are running it, but they're self-interested. The self-interest, obviously. So you're going to be looking at the rules of all of that. So it needs to be independent as much as possible. That's really fundamental. Obviously, there's a huge issue about players' wages and salaries and how you deal with that. The parachute payments are create a massive gap uh, in between the top 10 of the championship and everybody else. You've got clubs, and the problem is if you're a club that's on the periphery of that and you get your one year in the Premier League and you come back down and your budgets are now Premier League budgets, effectively, if you don't get back in that Premier League when your parachute payments run out, then you're in financial dire straits instantly. And it's just a a gambler's game. You know, it's not, not good. So that needs to be addressed. And that's where I think the investment in sustainable outcomes and in uh, capital projects further down the game where people invest in their communities and their stadiums and their training grounds and so on, that are there forevermore, is the way we can look at changing it. So I think those, all those kind of things need to be fundamentally addressed. I mean, I could throw the owners and directors test in there as well, which is about a complete, you know, it's a complete mess. You know, we need to get that again part of an independent regulation that actually is you have to go for a due process and you have to be, you know, the fact that you can have people that can commit criminal activities overseas, but because they're overseas, it makes absolutely no difference about whether they buy a club in the UK. I mean, and that's that's the, you know, so you could break what would be, you can do things overseas that would be illegal in the UK and that's fine. And that's clearly wrong. You know, you, what kind of message are you sending out to football as a whole if you've got people that are doing all sorts of atrocities overseas? There's just so many things that are wrong with football. What we want to do is look at trying to address the really big ones that I've mentioned there and really push them forward. Now, it's not going to come in one document. It will be various different things. So there'll be things that will be 
like I say, clauses in the EFL and Premier League rules that need to change. And there'll be other stuff that will require governmental legislation. And what we will be doing over the next few months is looking at each of those issues and effectively siphoning them off, saying, well, well, okay, that's a rule, that's legislation, and working out how we can actually deliver this change, because it's no good talking the talk to you, Luke, if we can't actually deliver anything at the end of, end of it. And that's where I, I think has been a big attraction for the clubs that have been talking to us, because we're not just, and somebody say, saying, where's your difference? What are you going to do that's different to anything else? Because people are just kind of really worn down by it all. And, you know, we've got, clubs that are really full of energy that want to make a big difference that are just said right i'm sick of it I mean, newport have been brilliant absolutely brilliant i mean their board is basically working a herculean behind the scenes to try and do all they can cambridge or another they've just done as you know really want to just do the heavy lifting um and that's brilliant when you see those sort of clubs coming on board and you know and we're seeing others starting to say that starting to realize that actually we can do this Yeah, I, I, and this is it, you know, how you're saying that about how we don't just want another report from this that's going to, to gather dust and we want to make sure we can deliver on this. And I think that there definitely will be supporters listening going, this is great. You know, this sounds fantastic. Why isn't my club signed up yet? And is there anything supporters can do to what can supporters do who are listening, who like the sound of this? What, what can they do to try and support their gaming or you know, spread the word as such? Yeah, I mean, totally, obviously, get on Twitter and spread the word and at your club a lot. We have a petition running on our website at the moment um, where we're asking all fans to sign up and put their club down and say, right, OK, I want my club to be a fair game club. That's absolutely fundamental. Obviously, people will have good ins with their own chairman and their own owners. There'll be people who've got that and, you know, definitely direct them and say, right, go and speak to fair game because, you know, they're, they're onto something here. Um, you know, while I've said there's, there's a number of us on board, you know, we haven't had personal conversations with every football league club or every Premier League club. We're open to those conversations. We've looked at the ones that we think are kind of first, first tier of clubs that we think are most, most agreeable. And they're the ones we've reached out to first. So, you know, we'll be widening our pool and trying to get more and more clubs on board. In terms of how people can help, there are plenty of ways you can you can help. You can, you know, there's a bit about volunteering. You know, we're after people to talk to their MPs, make sure that their MPs are introducing us and talking to us because ultimately we need to have that legislation and we need the support of MPs to do that. And we need them to be holding the DCMS to account at every opportunity and asking questions in the House of Commons. And they can do that by connecting with us, getting their MPs to connect with us, and then we can help organize that we've got a good advocacy team that are trying to do that right now uh, so that's really fundamental obviously there's academic research that we're interested in as well um, so we've been working quite closely with various members of what's called the football collective who are the leading academics in the in the uk of course um, yeah. um, which is really useful because we they're the ones who can you know know the history know the kind of economics know the kind of what legislation what stuff we need to address um, so that's all about creating all those, those best minds. Uh, and I won't deny, you know, clearly if people want to fund us, that'd be brilliant because at the moment we're all volunteers. If there's any kind of like person out there who's feeling very philanthropic and fancies uh, backing fair game, uh, by all means, you know, we're open to 
open to uh, talks with that. I mean, obviously, we've got our own ethics. So, you know, there's a whole load of people we wouldn't talk to. And also, we don't want to make sure that we're ever in a situation where we're compromising what we're trying to do. Um, but, you know, there are plenty of ethical companies out there or people who are, who are willing, might be willing to put their hands in and help us uh, actually make sure we've got that little bit of extra resource that turns us from being a bit more than a glorified lobby group into something that's that's here for the for the long term. And we're all, I mean, at the moment, we're all people who are connected with clubs, uh, by loosely one way or another, the kind of people really running the, the core of it. Um, but, you know, we, we, we could always do with a little bit of extra, couldn't everybody? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um, and we're actually on to the, the final question now. So just to try and almost condense all that together, um, what we've spoken about, um, what does what does fair game see as its sort of vision for football? You know, it's sort of man on the moon. If everything works out perfectly, what 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 does football need to look like? <laughs> football needs to look like a community based, community caring game. It needs to really look at embedding itself in the community. It needs to be sustainable. We can't be having a situation where clubs are spending more than they're getting in. So that needs to end. We need to think of football clubs as being custodians of their the badge and the shirt and the ground and the traditions, because that's what people really care about when it comes to football. And we need to make sure that every football club, professional football club in the in the UK, is going to be there for another hundred years. And we're all going to have our moments in the sun. We're all going to have those glorious moments. But let's that's only going to happen if you still exist. So let's make sure we exist and let's say, make sure we honour the traditions of the clubs and the communities that they serve and they're in. And I think that's the key. You know, no more shifting off to uh, 60 miles to a different area, no more going bankrupt, no more ending that whole traditions, no more showing disrespect to the, the pyramid, as we've seen with the ESL. Let's, uh, let's have a game that's actually worthy of being kind of the honourable national game. Perfect. Great. So um, if anybody listening wants to find out more about Fair Game, uh, do you have a website? I mean, I can link it in the description as well. You've got your website and you're on Twitter as well. Is that correct? Yeah, we're very active on Twitter. Twitter so at Fair Game UK. And our website is www.fairgameuk.org. Uh, there's loads of stuff on there. You can read several. We've got an active blogs on there. We've got our press releases. And there's a petition. And of course... If you want to help, you can go to our help us bit on there and, and just put in your details and then we'll come back to you and see how you can help make a difference to uh, the future of football. No small thing. That's brilliant. Thanks, Niall. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. To find out more information about SD Europe, head to www.sdeurope.eu.